Hello, 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 and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. I'm your host, Devin Moore. Now, your first question, I know what it is. Why is Devin say, uh, wearing a shirt that says unity in the? Well, you need to decide what the end of that sentence will be. Unity in the world, unity in wherever, your school environment, unity wherever you are. Joining us today is someone who focuses directly in on unity. The name is Dr. Hoda Mamoudi. Dr. Hoda Mamoudi has held the Baha'i Chair for World Peace at the University of Maryland College Park since 2012. As director of this endowed academic program, Professor Mamoudi collaborates with a wide range of scholars, researchers, and practitioners to advance interdisciplinary analysis and open discourse on global peace. Welcome, Dr. Mamoudi. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Devin. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. I know this will be a good conversation. Yes. So why don't you tell us about um, you being on the Baha'i Chair for World Peace at UMD? Yeah. Well, I think uh, your description put it well. It's an academic program. And what we're interested in is to um, look at what are the major barriers to creating more peaceful societies and ultimately a better world. And, you know, in, in terms of peace, it's a very complex topic, as you can imagine. And to look at the barriers to peace is even more difficult because, <clears throat> you know, we, what we are trying to do, I would say, is a model that tries to look at the problem and then search for solutions. So the Baha'i Chair is focused on five themes that it thinks are very important as uh, issues that we need to understand how to resolve them better and find solutions to. And these themes are systemic racism and the root cause of prejudice, um, the empowerment of women, uh, because women are very important. If we want peace, they need to be equal with men in all the arenas of society. The third one is um, globalization and governance. In other words, uh, what are the responsibilities of government leaders and uh, international institutions in trying to create a more peaceful world? The fourth one is it deals with the environment uh, and especially the problem or the crisis of climate change. And the last one is human nature, which is as we explore these themes, who are we as human beings? What are our potentialities? What are our capacities to do better and to improve not only our own lives, but the lives of others and hence society? So the Baha'i Chair invites all kinds of speakers, scholars, practitioners from literally all over the world who are doing very important research uh, on aspects of these five themes. And then we eventually publish books where these scholars will contribute chapters. But I wanna emphasize that we always look for new thinking and new ideas. We really want to find the solutions and we want to be very pragmatic about them. Um, and so uh, the, the chair also teaches a class on the problem of prejudice where we explore all these themes that I've uh, just explained. 
So it's education, it's research, and it's publication. <laughs> well, first, I want to say that sounds really cool, just because of the fact that all of that is really just right up my alley, you know, because I'm mm -hmm. really always dealing with equality and unity and just focusing in on things like systemic racism, which I know is a big problem, but all these different things are a big problem that we really need to dissect. And so that's another reason why I'm so like interested in being a part of the Baha'i faith. I've been actually um, looking into this for a while, ever since I met my, I think I, or he was one of the first Baha'is that I ever met, which is Steve Serowitz who also works with Community Rising, as you know, because we were also on that other podcast um, where he was the host. But um, so, and like ever since then, that's where my like interest in like learning about it grew, me being a part of the spiritual empowerment circle. So, but turning attention back onto you. So like how exactly, how, what is certain things that you've really seen when it came to your experience working with those five things and working just with the Baha'i chair in general? Well, I think, you know, we could go on forever about what the problems are, <laughs> because we have, you know, I mean, you just, you take, um, it, we can take the equality of women. I mean, uh, throughout the world, around the world, uh, look at any given culture, this is a universal problem that women, first of all, uh, experience really untold violence against them. And, and secondly, they are largely excluded from consultations and conversations and policies when it comes to peacekeeping. You know, it, it, it's interesting, there's research that shows that after conflicts, whether it, it's in any part of the world, what, where there's been a conflict, let's say ethnic conflict or, or wars between two nations, that usually where women have been brought to the table to explore ways to stop the conflict and to maintain the peace, that where women have been involved, actually the peace process lasts longer. But the problem is that this doesn't happen very often and that women are generally not really equally represented in governments, in policy decision-making, in any aspect of society. So this really presents a major problem because you need both men and women working together to advance uh, a better world. But women bring a different perspective, like we see in the war currently going on in Ukraine, but we can look at any war that has gone on before Ukraine. The, the people that are the most harmed are oftentimes women and children because they are at the mercy of the armies and the soldiers, predominantly men. And as we've heard in Ukraine, but I want to say it's not, it's not unique to Ukraine. I just bring that because that's the current conflict. Um, women are not only uh, subjects uh, that will be you know, violently abused, including rape, but they are also, uh, you know, their, their, um, their protection, the protection for them and the children is simply not there. Uh, so that, that's one pr 
problem that we have in terms of the equality of women. But I could go on about the, the, the one that I'm most concerned with, especially after equality of women and men, is, is the whole issue of racism, especially in this country. Because um, clearly, if we don't find ways to remedy the racial injustice and the racial prejudice in this country, we will continue to experience violence and uh, disruptions and uh, you know, society will not reach the, the potential that it has. The American nation could be a great nation if it could really resolve this problem. Um, so for me, what's been most enjoyable and interesting at the Baha'i Chair is to listen to these scholars, to hear about their research and to you know, suggest, have them suggest solutions to these major, complex, difficult problems. Honestly, I couldn't agree with you more with just the fact that we really do need to go in and dissect these problems mm -hmm. and, you know, offer real solutions. And I know something that's really, I mean, I find both interesting and unfortunate is how, you know, interconnected um, dealing with like women and um, or the empowerment of women and systemic racism can be. Because as mm -hmm. soon as you bring that up, just for me personally, I immediately think Black women in hospitals, like that system you know, they're not getting the correct health care or they're not, um, you know, when just when it comes to just giving birth, you know, it, it's 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 so it's so enraging to me. It is. The fact that black women are having to go through this and then just on top of that, we have all of these other because um, now I'm just really focusing in now I'm focusing on, on systemic racism, all the racism built into the um, excuse me, the justice system, the uh, mm -hmm. um job system, the hospital system, as I mentioned before, like uh, education system, all these different, all these different systems need to have unity in order for someone to just learn and grow. As I always say, when you're, a pro I'm sorry, I know you're about to say something. <laughs> when you're in school, you need to, that's when you're really growing. That's when you're developing. That's when you need to learn, or that's when you are learning, excuse me. You should not have, you bullying, racism, discrimination based on anything mm -hmm. should not be a part of your day. I couldn't agree more. And, and Devin, I, I want to say, I mean, you're so right about the, the disparities and the lack of um, really justice when it, and not only just disparities, justice, and the lack of really education and awareness uh, when you talk about black women and medicine, and I would include black men and medicine, you know, the, the horrific atrocities that have historically been done to this population. Uh, and I, I, I know some of the issues, I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but you know, pregnant women not getting pain medication when they ask for it beyond pregnancy, you know, basically, uh, there are discrepancies between how white patients and black patients are, are um, treated. Um, and I think this whole subject of racism in America really requires far more education. And, and I wanna say education that really begins right at a very young age and continues throughout the school system. 
you know, I think by university, by the time people come to the university, I mean, I never think it's too late to get an education. But, you know, sometimes by the time you're 18, if you haven't learned the history, the social implications uh, of, of racism in America, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate and it's somewhat too late. But, but I, I mean, we keep trying, you know, at universities, we teach courses and we, we try to educate. But you can see this in, in our, I mean, just the recent incident in New York with the mass shooting and, and that, you know, there's a white supremacist who, you know, comes out and commits this horrible, horrible uh, hate crime um, and, and believes in this ridiculous theory, you know, again, these, these conspiracy theories. Um, you know, we have to really find a way to not only clean up the internet, if you will, uh, because this is also social media is, has not been helpful, unfortunately. But we also have to begin very young to educate our children about the the oneness, the equality, this the really all of us belonging to one human family, to one human species. That there are no differences. The differences are simply to be appreciated, to be celebrated but that as human beings, we need to come together and unify and, and stop this uh, uh, deep-rooted hatred that we see uh, surface in, at various times in our society. Yeah, you are, you are so right. And you know, that's why, like within the Race to Speak Up organization, that's why one of the, or many reasons, but why that's why like one of um, the meanings behind Race to Speak Up is the fact that we are all a part of one race, which mm -hmm. is the human race. And like you're saying, teaching us about these different things in the world um, at a young age really aids in unity. It aids in just looking past our different, like, excuse me, actually recognizing our differences but within those differences, embracing them and loving them and supporting them and learning from them, mm -hmm. that is so beneficial in creating unity. As you're saying, that's so, it's such an important part when thinking about it. And you know, something that I want to bring up was when um, you were on the, um, on Steve's podcast and which of course, when I first, that was when I really first heard from you and you were so eye-opening, which thank you for that. There was um, this one, I think I, there was a one question I had for you where it was almost like, um, oh, it was dealing with unity. It was like when certain people hear the word unity, do you think it's almost a trigger word for them? Um, I think it can be. I mean, it, you know, unity has to have a context, right? Uh, because we can all unify also to be um, prejudice, <laughs> you know? So yes, it can have uh, different connotations. The way that I use unity is I think to solve problems such as racism or the equality of women and men requires that at least the people who are like-minded Let's just start with those who are like-minded. They need to come together 
they need to have a discussion among themselves and they need to arrive at and agree on certain principles like we should understand each other and that our differences are not something that we should hate each other for, but rather to understand each other better, that we should uh, do all that we can to get, I don't know if we're in a neighborhood or we are at a university, to get our fellow uh, hum human beings to come along with us and work together on trying to solve and resolve these problems. In other words, to unify around principles and then take action on those principles. Racial prejudice is bad. We need to get rid of it. Okay, if we all agree with that, then what do we do to break down the systems that promote it? You see, that's a form of unity. Again, never do would I condone force or violence, but it is this unity of agreement uh, once a group has come together. Again, it's not forced on people. It has to be consensus. That's extremely important because when you force things on people, it, it, we know it just doesn't work. So my feeling is that we need to always collaborate in any setting with like-minded individuals, agree on certain principles, certain steps that should be taken and then begin to take those steps. You know, if we need more representation from all people, then let's begin to see why we don't have more representation. You know, what I'm saying is not easy. I, I understand this, it's, it's hard work, but I don't think one can achieve anything great or can resolve any of these problems without really hard work and without discipline, keeping with it day in and day out because it will take a long time. It's not gonna happen overnight. And I think we know this best when it comes to the problem of systemic racism and the equality of women and men. I don't know if that helps you uh, or, or helps explain to you my perspective on unity. It's just, I think when people are unified around certain ideas and certain principles, they can take actions to resolve matters much easier than if every individual went in a different way. I understand what you're saying. And I wanna thank you for sharing that also. I know that another way that you are really furthering and that education and understanding of world peace and global unity is through um, books. So you are the co-author of World Without War. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So A World Without War is a book that actually um, looks at, it's, it's almost a case study of two individuals. They were Baha'is who resided in Iran in the early, in the 19, uh, around, right around World War I, 1914, uh, that time. And they read in the newspaper that there is this organization at The Hague in the Netherlands that uh, is interested in hearing from people about how to establish peace in the world. I mean, and you know, this is happening right as the world, as World War I is happening. And they decide to take action because they, you know, Baha'is believe in peace and they have uh, 
certain principles that relate to how you achieve peace. So to make a long story short, they eventually end up going to The Hague in the Netherlands. I mean, imagine by the time they get there, it, it's after World War I because it was a difficult time to travel. So around 1918, they uh, traveled to The Hague and they go to this organization and they give them a letter from the head of the Baha'i faith, whose name is Abdul Baha, who describes the Baha'i, uh, if you will, not only the Baha'i vision, but the process for achieving world peace. And of course, it's very much based on spiritual, but also practical solutions. And so they give them, give this organization the, the letter. Uh, but unfortunately, the organization had by that time, uh, you know, the war happened, the world was in a horrible mess. And they thanked, of course, these men for traveling so far and doing this wonderful act of wanting to contribute to their uh, vision of world peace for this organization. But what came out of that trip, and I, I don't think it was at all a wasted trip, was that we now have these very important letters written by Abdul Baha that pretty much say that world peace starts with the individual. In other words, peace has to start with the individual until it gets to the neighborhood, to the institutions, and ultimately to the society as a whole. And that, you know, every person wants to have peace, but that isn't enough. What we have to work on is to raise human consciousness about peace. And so the letter goes on to describe that basically uh, human beings are one family, as we've said earlier, that this is the day for the oneness of humankind. In other words, the world has shrunk to such a level that if we don't find ways for the world to behave uh, in a more unified manner, we're not gonna be able to solve our problems and we will in fact create a much more dangerous world. And I think it's interesting that this was 1919, let's say, that this was written. Here we are in 2022, look at climate change and what it's doing to the world. Look at right now, you know, we've had recently with the Ukraine war, threats of nuclear weapons again. Uh, look at racism in this country, and I would say around the world, and how it creates uh, a, a, the, the kind of in, um, society that is not peaceful. It is really fraught with violence. So the, the point of that letter was until we, we resolve the political, the economic, the religious, the class, racial, gender prejudices, until we resolve these problems, until we find ways for the nations of the world to find better ways to unify in order to, um, you know, deal with a world that has shrunk. I don't know how else to put it. You know, how do you distribute the resources of the world when there is so much inequalities between the nations? And the pandemic has really proven that. Some nations have all the vaccines you want, others can hardly get any. 
And yet we can't get rid of this pandemic ultimately unless the whole of the planet, at least the vast majority are vaccinated. You know, I'm just using these current examples uh, to uh, highlight the issue that when Abdu'l-Bahá in these letters said that <clears throat> you, you must really look at a new world, we have entered a new phase in this world. And in fact, he likens it to how he, he, the model he gives is, if I could use the United States of America, it's a, it's a federated concept. This is a federation where you have 50 states that are under a federal government, but they also have, each state has its own autonomy to some extent. And so this is the model that the Baha'is see in terms of the world, that it should be a federation of nations who work together like the states do. You know, I mean, states, we haven't yet had, thank God, since the Civil War, states that have gone to war with each other, right? You don't have, if California doesn't agree on water shortage from Arizona or whatever, they don't go to war. They talk it out, they resolve it, and they take care of it. So in the same way, the nations of the world, because the world has become so small, need to cooperate in this way because you cannot solve climate change, you cannot solve inequalities, you cannot solve any of the major problems we have today by just having each nation as an independent entity working separate from the rest. So uh, I don't want to go too much further, but the 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 letters in, in, um, that, were, that I'm talking about, which are featured in a world without war, um, really go into detail about how this process of peace can come about. It's, it's, there's more to it than that, but I don't know how much you wanna go into it. <laughs> no, you're, you're a very knowledgeable woman. So I really appreciate you really diving into that and explaining that. I think it's very important. And I couldn't agree more with, you know, how Abdu'l-Bahá like starts with one person and then it goes to the next person and goes on and on and on. I truly believe in that. I truly believe that a change can start with one person, but having like-minded individuals come together, it strengthens your ability to create a more peaceful and loving and safe environment. It is so beneficial for a lot of our different types of people, whether you're in minority groups, whether you're in majority groups, to be honest, whether you're in any different type of group, it really does help. It really, it even encourages, you know, upstanders. Mm -hmm. It's so important to be upstanders and help each other. Someone who supports, you know, the, well, in case of bullying, the victim, it, they support the victim. But just in yeah. general, supporting each other is what we need in this world. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the challenge is, you know, when we look at social media, when we read the news, of course, we're getting all the negative, horrific stories, right? I mean, and I'm not putting down the press, uh, you know, they have to report on what's going on in the world. But the problem with that is, uh, and we see this on social media, the amount of hate that is expressed on social media is so disturbing to me because 
it makes you think that the world is now become mostly about hatred, but I, I don't agree with that. I think the majority of the people are good. The majority of the people are searching for ways to improve things, for having a better life, for making a better life for others. And so that's where this working with like-minded people becomes so important because there will always be a minority that will uh, promote hatred, be violent, et cetera, et cetera. But if you have enough people on the opposite end who, were, uh, who are all about cooperation, collaboration, building positive things, creating positive ways of doing things better, then I think it will, I think it's, um, how shall I say it? It's a contagious positive uh, element that takes over. And, and, more, and now more than ever, I think those individuals who are looking for a better world need to be hopeful and need to convey this hope. Because as you, you mentioned bullying a number of times, and I think that's a really good word to use today because in a sense, you could just as individuals bully individuals, you have a nation that has certain individuals that bully, right? Another group of individuals, right? I mean, yeah. if you look at, and likewise, you have nations that bully nations. So you can start from the individual and build up all the way to the nations, this concept of bullying. And, and I guess the point that not only the Baha'i chair, but I'd like to make is that uh, we need to really emphasize an alternative approach. And the alternative approach cannot also be one that creates more problems or creates, you know, we are better and they are not, this us and them paradigm. So, you know, at the chair, we're very careful not to uh, fall into a trap of actually saying that, you know, certain people are better than others because that doesn't help the problem. What we'd like to do is to say, Join us in trying to find better solutions, better ways, stopping the bullying, stopping the injustices, stopping the prejudices, whatever the problem. Dr. Maluri, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, sharing your work, just everything overall. This has been a great conversation. And do you actually, do you have any, um, anything you'd like to um, last leave with the audience? I think, Devin, I, I think I've said enough, but I want to appreciate you and what you are doing because, you know, uh, imagine if we had a million of you. <laughs> I mean, you see, that's what will bring about the change. And, and, that, and you, in your own way, are doing something very positive, very good. And I think you are a good model, an example of what we've been talking about today. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Dr. Mamoudin. That really, that really brightens my spirits. <laughs> you are awesome. And um, I'll just one more question for you. Do you, um, would you like to share any of your social media or website so people know where to follow you? Um, if the people, if they just 
go to Google and put in the Baha'i chair for world peace, it'll get them to a website and all of that information is on there. And I hope they do follow us. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you, and, Devin. And thank you to everyone who's listening. I hope you all um, come to see future Race to Speak Up podcasts. If you have any questions about the Race to Speak Up podcast, feel free to contact me at race to speak up at gmail.com. Make sure to follow at race to speak up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future podcasts. Make sure to go over to my website, www.racetospeakup.com and check out all things race to speak up and join the humanity rising movement. Humanity rising offers scholarships for students making a difference in the world through service. Visit www.humanityrising.org for more information. Remember to ask yourself this one question. How do you race to speak up?